<laughs> that, that's what United are. They're a trust fund. They're also a content provider. Yeah, a sitcom and football club is not really one of them anymore. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Now you're welcome along. So coming up tonight, we will chat through the RFU decision taken today to ban transgender women from partaking in women's contact rugby in Ireland. Probably an expected decision in many ways. It follows World Rugby Guidance, which was first published back in 2020. The English Rugby Union uh, made a similar move to the RFU last month, but uh, contentious nonetheless. Also this evening, our favourite new slot, that's Team OTB. Myself, Ronan Mullen, Mick McCarthy, Arthur O'Dea, chatting through the various matters of greatest concern to us for an hour, riffing 53106. Uh, text in, whatever you want to talk about, hit us up. And then, of course, Dan McDonald will be on the football show. Shamrock Rover is assured of European group stage football in the coming months. We will even, Ronan Mullen, see it on a television. No, great times, Joe. Yeah. 2022. I think, uh, Richie McCormick, you're very welcome. I think there's a, a certain romance and hearing about the match the next day you know it's like uh, back in the day you know you, you read about it you hear about it but you don't see it putting two and two together yeah like I I always come back to that when I was told about the Cantona incident the Kung Fu incident at Crystal Palace oh yeah when my dad came into the sitting room and said God Cantona apparently is after much after hearing it on, on Five Live apparently he jumped the, the barrier there at Selhurst Park and just went mad and in my head because behind one of the goals at Selhurst Park in the mid-90s, they were obviously accounting for the Taylor Report and were making it an all-seater stadium. And there was, you know, eight-foot-high barriers, ten-foot-high barriers behind the goal to the left as you look at it on TV. And I thought he just literally lost it, vaulted over them and just ran into a construction site. Uh, had to wait until later on, of course. I think it was on, I think it was on sports night that night uh, that they would have showed the highlights of what exactly happened. But yeah, there is a certain romance about hearing secondhand and hearing on the radio and going very much uh, old school 20th century about it all. There sure is. So that is on the way. We should get into news round. Busy afternoon. As ever, our news round is brought to you courtesy of Gillette Labs. Richie, where are you starting? Uh, yet yeah, Trans Equality Together has condemned the IRFU's decision to ban transgender women from playing women's contact rugby. The union has amended its gender participation policy despite the issue only affecting two registered players in the entire country. The IRFU claims they will continue to be inclusive as they can be. Trans Equality Together has described the ban as reactionary, saying it sends the message that the trans community is not welcome in rugby. Uh, this will obviously be uh, contentious. We'll uh, chat about it in more detail at half past seven. We've done various pieces on this issue, so uh, we'll bring you a good segment of Dr. Ross Tucker. He was on with us in March and he was talking then about the Leah Thomas issue, the swimmer, which, you know, that story garnered huge attention. And, and Ross Tucker has been involved in the recommendations to World Rugby. So uh, he will outline um, his position and, and the scientific uh, argument that World Rugby and by extension the IRFU is making and then we'll also uh, play you some of Sarah Phillips and she's the head of the Transgender Equality Network. I think this was expected and this has been coming. World Rugby to give you context it was in October 2020 where World Rugby first banned transgender women players from competing at an elite level of the women's game and they cited safety concerns. So, you know, we, uh, for instance, they argued in October of 2020, and again, there is science behind this number, but the headline number was that 
there is a 20 to 30 percent higher risk of injury when a female player is attacked by someone who has gone through male puberty, for instance. Uh, a, a, a female born, you know, registered at birth female player tackled by someone who has gone through male puberty. The risk of injury is 20 to 30 percent higher. Now, what, what they did at that stage was they said, well, this is our position at the elite end of the game and we're going to leave it up to sports federations to figure out your own grassroots policy. And so it's it's developed, obviously, since 2020. The English RFU voted in favour of restricting transgender participation in the domestic game last month and now the IRFU have followed suit. Other unions have as well. Uh, clearly massively contentious and we'll tease out the issues and bring you some of Ross Tucker and Sarah Phillips uh, this hour. So that's the big story of the day. We did obviously invite the IRFU to come on the show and I have to say it's disappointing. They said no. Um, we had expected you release a statement, you make a decision like this. It's it's worth teasing out on a show like this. But um, the answer was no. We'll continue to invite them on and, and tease things out. But we will in the interim give you a much longer portion of their statement and their uh, thought process uh, than Richie's obviously been able to do for time purposes in the uh, news round. So we'll do that around 25 past half seven or so. Uh, Richie, meanwhile, uh, David Fitzgerald, he's never far away from a job. No keeping the gunman down, uh, Joe. David Fitzgerald reportedly on the cusp of a return to the Waterford senior hurling job. According to the examiner, this evening talks between the county executive and the ex Clare goalkeeper have intensified in recent days. Fitzgerald announced he was leaving the Cork Camogie backroom team in the wake of Sunday's All-Ireland final defeat to Kilkenny. In his original reign as Deja Boss, Fitzgerald led Waterford to the 2008 All-Ireland hurling final. They also reached four consecutive All-Ireland semi-finals during his original tenure. See, we've had it all wrong, Ronan. There's been much discussion about the future of David Fitzgerald. Where will he go next? Galway could be interesting. <coughs> Dublin could be interesting. We never even contemplated he could go back. I know. But like, it's, it just opens everything up again. It's a funny one with David because the cult of David Fitzgerald, in my opinion, has diluted his achievements as a manager whereby because the the sideshow to use that word that goes with him takes away from the achievements that have been born out on his CV and like what he did at Waterford to almost kick off this run as an inter-county manager it's usually impressive Richie, Richie's kind of outlined it there and it's not as if Waterford have they haven't hit the heights that was expected of this generation of players I think that's fair to say and there might be a little bit of going back to basics a little bit for the next um couple of years and he's possibly a good man to do that and like what he did at Waterford latterly with Clare mm. famously with the All-Ireland and then Wexford I think another job which is underestimated um, in the in the years which have gone by so I think it's a David Fitzgerald's never far from the headlines yeah. and um, even his year back. away from hurling was still centrally involved in the Camogie sphere so um, he's certainly back with a bang here if this comes through An endlessly interesting man Did you ever see his Living with Lucy episode? I think I did, but what were the what were the standout moments for you on that? Uh, for me, the standout moment by a considerable distance in a in a show of many standout moments. Great show! Oh, listen, brilliant show in general. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely fan. fantastic show. Really good. Was uh, he um, goes out to dinner with his um, immediate family kind of once a week, and say it's a Thursday. Every evening he orders is the same meal. It's some kind of chicken every evening. Well, like once a week. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, Sorry, gotcha. every evening he goes. It's, it's yeah, the yeah. same meal every time. To the extent that I think at a certain point the restaurant took it off the menu and he insisted 
<laughs> I'm still getting that. <laughs> and the, the other revelation was, I think his, um, his uh, better half turned to Lucy at one stage and said, you know, he's never tasted pizza. Never tried it. So the pizza <laughs> or pasta? It was some, uh, you know, very basic Italian-based food that we've all tasted. But I don't think David had tasted pasta or pizza. See, he had, two, he had two options when they took it off the menu. It was play the Do You Not Know Who I Am card, which is what he did. Yeah. Just find a different restaurant. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, I don't know, Richie, are the things I've revealed from the Living With Lucy episode more interesting than the news you brought us about Davey? I dare say they are. You need to up your game here. I, I, I don't know. Uh, Davey's insistence on a certain chicken dish kind of, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to hear more about this. Oh, indeed. Really and what the dish was. Yeah, we're going to go back and watch the, Hopefully, it's on the Virgin Media Player. I think it was chicken and mash, you know, just and, and actually a pint of milk. Don't say it was a chicken pint and of mash milk. And a pint of milk. I'm pretty sure. Don't. How is that even on the menu? Like, what's that listed as? Well, I got taken off. Chicken mash, pint of milk. <laughs> yeah. I think oh, yeah. Um, Simon Tierney, our colleague in News Talk, tweeted a picture. I think it was of Richard Nixon's last meal before he, like, resigned on national television. Oh yeah. And it was a suitably depressing-looking meal. It was like, oh, Richie, do you remember what it was? It was like cottage no. cheese and pineapple and a glass of milk. And she was like, oh. that's, that's the meal of a man getting ready to, to step down. You can't be having that much milk. Sinuses would be driven demented. Uh, look, I'm sure I've got some of the facts wrong there. Anyone who's a Living With Lucy expert will know I'm generally in the right domain. 53106, they can. If it's reality TV, text. you're usually on the right track, Joe. I'd be disappointed if Lucy's not listening, but let's see. Yeah. Lucy, text in, let us know what was the food he had in the restaurant every evening and was it pasta or pizza he'd never tasted in his life? Joe, I think I have to ask the question the <laughs> listeners want me to ask now. Would you go on living with Lucy if, if she gave you the offer? Uh, I think that's an enormous if. So uh, we, we're not going to have to worry about that. No, I, that would not be my bag at all. Richie McCormick, on the other hand. I, I want now, now that you said you don't want it to be your bag, I absolutely need TV's it. TV's Richie McCormick there would be all over that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, Stephen Bradley, he is he's obviously a very happy man, not thrilled with the travel situation. Yeah, Stephen Bradley says travel for Irish teams in Europe needs to be streamlined. They arrived back into Shannon in the small areas of this morning after securing group stage football by beating Scuppy in the third qualifying round of the Europa League. It's Farage Faros for them next on Thursday in Budapest. Rovers were forced to travel from Shannon to fly to North Macedonia, having endured similar in a previous trip to Bulgaria. And speaking after last night's game, Bradley says something needs to be done to help out those teams in Europe. The questions need to be asked by the right people because and to the right people, because again, um, I understand travel is chaos for everyone at the moment, but it can't be that um, teams, both Bulgarian teams are flying in and out of Dublin direct, and, and we're uh, flying back through Shannon, have to go out through Shannon. Uh, that's obviously the trouble they're having. It's it's not right, you know. We need to, like I said, there needs to be serious questions asked of, of who's uh, allowing this to happen and, and why it's allowed to happen, because... Um, it cost us against the regrets, and I've no doubt it cost us where our travel, our force leg over there. Um, and I just hope it doesn't cost uh, St. Pat's at home because it's, uh, it's not acceptable. It can't be. Air travel is no fun for anybody just now. I think we're all in agreement on that point. So Rovers had to fly out to North Macedonia from Shannon and then because of staffing issues, they were due back into Shannon. And then lo and behold, there was fog at Shannon and the flight was diverted to Dublin. So I dare say Stephen Bradley was both happy that happened, but also thinking, what the hell? You can take us in Dublin now. Mm. And it has been a messy time on that front. So, for instance, uh, Scuppy, as we know, in the first leg had to fly to Shannon and they were very unhappy about this. They considered it a conspiracy of sorts. St. Patrick's Athletic had to fly from Knock, 
A big old drive from Inchicore down to Knock before you take your flight. And they also couldn't get home till Sunday and the Shelburne game was cancelled. Whereas, in fairness, as Stephen Bradley says there, CSKA, Sofia and Ludogrets both managed to get their charters in and out of Dublin. It's just a messy, messy situation. I don't know. Do we give teams priority on this matter, should we? It's a difficult one, for sure. Um, the, I think the best thing you can say is that it didn't affect the result from a Shamrock Rovers point of view. And I think... Because football, the football calendar, by dint of how reactionary it is to results, is that these things are very last minute and can a, a hastily arranged flight to far-flung destination take precedence over long held bookings I'm not sure but I can definitely see Stephen Bradley's point and oh, it's a nuisance yeah. yeah and from from Rover's point of view like in terms of what they did on the pitch it was nice that the travel was the, their major concern in this tie because it was a I wouldn't say in keeping with the typical trend of League of Ireland clubs in Europe where it was very assured yeah, you know routine so, yeah it almost um, played the game on their terms and there was no element of smash and grab about it and you'd love to get to a stage in a couple of years where that is the norm where yeah. Ireland Ireland teams are going out there with their chests out and thinking we're actually the better team here and we're going to play as such and they're very mature squad in age terms Shamrock Rovers very experienced and they played accordingly Dan will be in Dan McDonald will be in after 9 o'clock so we'll chat through obviously um, the last couple of weeks in uh, League of Ireland on the European front and also the opening uh, weekend to the Premier League season Dan's uh, thoughts on a couple of the games there is obviously the possibility that Shamrock Rovers draw Manchester United in the Europa League, all going well next week and beyond in Hungary. So then it seems, Paul O'Hare had a story in the Mirror, Richie, that Shamrock Rovers have already reached out to the Viva Stadium about potentially hosting some European games. The crowds will be big. So Shamrock Rovers versus Manchester United. Surely Manchester United fans of Irish descent can leave their jerseys at home and support Rovers that night. That's not going to happen, as we all know. Um, it is encouraging to see that they're obviously the feelers are out there and that they think that, you know, that there's a decent enough chance of them getting past Ferenc Varos. And um, as I listened to Dan earlier on, as he pointed out, it's a very, I'm not going to say winnable, but there is cause enough for optimism for Rovers going into that tie, considering what Bohemians did against Fahivar in a single-legged affair over in, uh, in Hungary a couple yeah. of years ago in COVID, in COVID times in a single-leg affair. And um, yeah, Ferenc Varos, I, 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 I can't say I've watched a lot of them. I was keeping oh, an eye Richie, on come prepared against Karabakh. Come prepared know, or don't come I know, I know, I know. Uh, knowing that they could be a potential opponent, obviously for overs, I kept an eye on, on what they were doing against Karabag and, and uh, to see the manner in which they conceded uh, last night wasn't great. Um, so Rovers will have enough. Uh, in terms of like they've got the they've got the wherewithal to do it, they can be a bit overcautious at times, and that's probably been to their detriment on the league in the league on on occasion. Um, I think it works a little bit better in Europe, but there could be an opportunity for them here to actually yeah. get group stage Europa League football, and I don't think they should really rest on the fact that you know they are in the conference league the conference league is is what it is and they will probably have all their home ties then in Tala but yeah. god the teams that could await in the group stage of the Europa League is it's well worth putting the hammer down going for this French Varos tie because it's winnable are we not at a point where Manchester United fans who let's be honest hate their team at this stage <laughs> you know detest their own team that they would not say themselves they're talking Rovers. about not going to Old Trafford now Joe yeah, yeah for, the, for the Liverpool game did I yeah. see Oh, yeah, yeah. As a I mean, not gonna happen, cue a, a ton of flights from Dublin saying, "Oh, we'll go." Yeah, 
<laughs> People will swoop in. One of my but Liverpool sporting friends said, did Mohamed Salah not empty the stadium for them last season? Hey. Yeah. Are we not saying that Manchester United fans in 2022, as we're trying to grow Irish football, would not say, you know what? I'm sick of this team anyway. I'm going to go there and support Shamrock Rovers. Surely you couldn't in good conscience as a Manchester United fan turn up at the Viva Stadium and cheer on United. Do you mean as a, a dual Rovers United fan or no. just a general United fan? I mean a Manchester United fan <laughs> who doesn't support Shamrock Rovers, maybe doesn't support a League of Ireland team, but thinks to themselves, I need to get behind Irish football properly. I can't just support the national team when it suits me. I need to be behind Irish football. It's time I picked up a cause. I'm going to go on there and I'm going to support Shamrock Rovers as opposed to singing that country road Man United song and saying you know go on Fred yeah I did attend the Manchester United event against the League of Ireland 11 yeah and it was very much a ceremonial 50,000 Man United fans and <laughs> all the League of Ireland people in their League of Ireland jerseys think Damien Richardson was the manager and United won 7-1 it's a bit of an odd event but then one of my friends um, had the Dundalk Arsenal quagmire huge fan of both but his Arsenal fandom would have predated his Dundalk fan he just his love of Dundalk would have burgeoned more in the last 10 years but he would have been an Arsenal fan his whole life so real difficult one for him um, I think he got to the game in the Aviva Stadium which had a limited capacity at the time but didn't get to go to the Emirates but it's a it's a hugely novel thing like it's, I know it would have been a regular occurrence yeah. where Spurs played Dundalk back in the day and Dundalk Celtic and the likes but like a huge chasm in the middle there where these fixtures weren't regular but with the advent of the Europa Conference League this will feasibly happen on the regular now yeah. where one of those big English teams will be drawn against League of Ireland teams. Remember the great old days there was a great debate on RTE on Soccer Republic and Dermot Keeley was oh, on. Dermot Keeley. TV gold. Quote, 42,000 morons going to watch Liverpool's reserve team. Ah, oh, God. Give she get Dermot Keeley on. Yeah. Look, uh, always good value. Let's see if they draw Manchester United first. But if they do, <clears throat> I think it's time. I think you and I know, Joe, that's not going to happen. Uh, that the, the United fans go on and, be, and uh, cheer on Man United to beat Rovers. Oh, the hundred percent they will. No, I, I actually think I actually think we're at a point now where even United fans realise Irish football is going somewhere. I think they'd. Why do they care about the Europa League against Shamrock Rovers? That's true. They got bigger fish to fry, like Brighton away. <laughs> uh, Richie, where are we going next? Uh, three players taking part in the Saudi Back to Live Golf Series have lost a court bid against the PGA Tour to play in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Taylor Gooch, Hudson Swafford and Matt Jones wanted a temporary restraining order, but a federal court judge in San Francisco ruled against them last night, saying the trio were well aware of the consequences of their actions. The players are also part of a larger group who filed an antitrust suit against the PGA Tour for being indefinitely suspended for joining Live Golf. Speaking ahead of this week's St. Jude Invitational, Rory McIlroy said the right decision was reached in court. I mean, from my vantage point common sense prevailed and i thought it was the right decision um and now that that has happened i think it just lets us focus on on the important stuff which is the golf and and we can all move forward and not sort of have um not have that sideshow going on for for the next few weeks which which is which is nice yeah, we'll be talking about that on Golf Weekly tomorrow, where our special guest will be Mr. Paul McGinley, a man obviously involved with the European Tour Board and watching all this situation very closely. So Golf Weekly, you'll get us uh, on Patreon. Just uh, search for us there and uh, come and join us. So Paul McGinley with us tomorrow. Uh, so we have Liam, who's me, the man living in Loud. Chicken Maryland, he said. Yeah. I didn't know what this was about for a second. Mick reminded me it's Davy Fitzgerald's oh, yeah. chicken <laughs> choice. <laughs> <laughs> if Davey Vince is on the show next time we have to ask him about this now it's become a thing you can get that in like super value 
Well, you can also get it in Davy Fitz's regular regular restaurant is where you get it as well. Chicken Maryland. Uh, not Chicken sure. Maryland, mash and a pint of milk. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the shop. <laughs> I'm not sure what Sharon Grover's problem is. If Sligo or Cork City had to fly out of Dublin for a tie, no one would bat an eyelid, says Conor Limerick. I mean, look, there is a bit of that. It's not a 12-hour drive down yeah. to Shannon. It's not, you know, cross-country either. Well, I suppose it is cross-country, but it's a very small country. I think it is going to be more of a consideration for people. Would you prefer to drive an extra 90 minutes, two hours to go to an airport, depart from there, or queue those two hours? Someone so was just saying this to me the other day. Perfectly normal reasoning. Yeah, they're like, let's go to Shannon to fly, go on our holidays. And scoot through the security yeah. queue in no time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It's just me, I'd prefer to be on the move. Like I've, I've missed the latest airport dispatches. Is it gone? Is it very bad again? Well, I only flew uh, Friday to London and it was fine, seamless. Um, but and it's bad, it's bad. Yeah, like it, it seems to, I don't know, like there's, there's drastic days and then not so drastic days and yet preparation levels don't seem to tally with demand. You know, there doesn't seem to be any sense from the airport's point of view of what's coming on a given day. Like they can be overwhelmed on other days and overstaffed on other days was my sense working on the lunchtime show where people were getting in touch saying, it's it's chaos, and then the next day it's like this is fine. I've never had it so good. Look at you bringing your lunchtime life Listen, expertise uh, to the I, equation. I, I thought you were getting outside your lane for a second, multi, but no. Multifaceted strengths to the bone, Edge. Yeah. So uh, Cam Smith, by the way, he of the Open champion fame is uh, what refusing to be drawn on the speculations going to live golf. Basically, he's going to live golf. I think Richie is the short version. Yeah. Pleading the fifth, I think a former president right. puts it uh, today, uh, Open champion Cameron Smith refusing to comment on reports that he has accepted a $100 million deal to join Live Golf. Smith is competing at the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup playoffs starting in Memphis this week, but it appears that will be his final salvo for yeah. the PGA Tour. I think there are a bunch and Cam Smith would be top of the list who will be going to Live but want to compete for the FedEx finale because there's a whole chunk of change up for grabs for the winner there and naturally he's right in the mix to win the FedEx but as soon as that's done he'll go maybe he stays on for the President's Cup I don't know if that's a big thing for an Australian golfer but then he's going I mean he's a big loss to the PGA Tour kind of full of personality and a real star this year and a brilliant player as well obviously as we saw at St Andrews so uh, news from Tipperary yeah, Tipperary GAA announcing today that a new club schedule uh, has been sorted after postponing last weekend's fixtures as a mark of respect for the late Dylan Quirk. Clonality Ross Moore's senior hurling championship match against Kilrone McDonough's was called off after Quirk collapsed shortly before halftime. The game will now be played on Sunday, August 21st, while the postponed hurling championship round two games have been refixed for the weekend of August 19th to the 21st. The hurling county finals have also been pushed back from the 9th to the 23rd of October. Football championship matches, Tip GAA saying this evening as well, will also be proceeding by a minute's silence. The World Cup, Richie? Yeah, FIFA looks set to bring the World Cup finals forward by a day to allow Qatar to take part in the opening match. The Netherlands playing Senegal was supposed to be the opener of the tournament on November 21st, with the hosts playing Ecuador later that day. Qatar want their first Group A fixture brought forward to allow them play the opening match, and the final decision will be made by the Bureau of the FIFA Council. Like everything with this World Cup, this is just so odd. I thought the hosts always play the opening fixture. Why would that not have been the situation in the first place? Not always. Not oh, always. France Senegal 02. France Senegal 02. Bolivia Germany in 94 was another one as well. Um, it's like it's not, I don't think, 
uh, Brazil and Scotland was, was France 98 yeah. as well. So it's only a really a recent thing okay. that actually has been the host that definitely played the, the opening match. It's funny that I was sort of like, what is this? They always play the opening and then it said France-Senegal out of my mouth in the same sentence. Just uh, popped what, into my head there. What a game that was. Yeah, I remember rushing home from summer tests and that was on. It was the first day, I suppose it was the first afternoon of holidays. What a way to kick it off. It's funny, it's the, it's the World Cup I remember in, it's the first World Cup I remember in any detail. Yeah. And for that reason, I think it's amazing. But anyone with more of a scope of past World Cups tells me it was a really bad tournament. No, it wasn't. Really dull. It was a great World Cup. Just because Ireland were in it, Joe. It wasn't great. Sorry, it was a wasn't great, great World Cup, 0-2. No, it no. wasn't, wasn't great. No. Uh, wasn't not, great. No. Absol- o- absolutely not. 6 is, is, is head and shoulders above 0-2. Euro, right. Euro 2008, my favourite tournament. Sorry, 0-2 was a great World Cup. I think 0-6 was better. 0-6 game for game is probably is better is a better tournament. 0-2 was... Like it was, it was grand, and it was on at a weird time as well. You can't, you can't enjoy a World Cup that's no, on it, in the morning. In yeah. my mind, O2 is the greatest World Cup ever played. No, it's the best in my but mind. But coming too. back, though, from an objective point of view, trusting the opinions of others, Jonathan Wilson and others would say it's among the worst World Cups ever played. It all depends on where you are in your life. Totally, that's what I'm saying. A World Cup, a World Cup final with Carson Ramelow and Oliver Neuville as part of its, you know, cast is not a great World Cup finals. Sorry. See, I was summer holidays, early part of the day, beautiful. Like, it was heavenly. You know, it was just wonderful. Whereas, I don't remember, I don't know what I was doing in 06. Yeah. I can't remember it, really. It just goes that way. Yeah, I can remember both of them quite well. And then 2010 World Cup would have been in the throes of exam time. So, I remember, uh, ironically, the first game of that tournament where South Africa scored the opening goal. It's incredible scenes. And then... I missed the chunk in the middle and then came back in for the what was quite a dull I think final uh, raft of fixtures as Spain just kind of ground their way to a World uneventful Cup. World Cup we can all agree 2010 was terrible yeah and also the 2010 World Cup final I believe was on the same day as Joe Sheridan and the lead Mead debacle so I was not no fit state Joe to be, <laughs> to be watching that very few people outside of Loud and Mead would know that fact but there you uh, go there you go is right. I don't know if it was I don't know was it yeah Something in my head says that was this that the me the out game was a Saturday, but I could be wrong. No, could no, be wrong. I'm afraid not, Richie. It's uh, my uh, tears have yet to dry from the Kyrgyz stand on that day. <laughs> we're rambling here. It's a perfectly rambling. fine goal. Not, not for people in loud, Joe. People in Darver are really consuming this uh, conversation. You all overreacted to that. Ah, stop. Really Honestly. did. That you was really, our All Ireland yeah. final. Ah, cry me a river. Come on. Yeah, well, come on. <laughs> and then. I've got no comeback. Got no comeback. <laughs> uh, someone says, did you know David Fitzgerald's? I don't know. Can I just read out things that people are texting in about David Gerald? Okay, this is on Living With Lucy as well. Oh, well Let's uh, verify it. His favourite right. film is... Shawshank Redemption. He's a gladiator. Excellent. Two excellent guesses. <laughs> oh, man. I would have guessed the same. I would have guessed the same. Every GAA player, favourite food steak, favourite film, Shawshank. Probably gladiator is in the mix as well. Favourite holiday destination, Maldives? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. But definitely um, Shawshank and steak. Uh, Seabiscuit. Is he a tattoo kind of guy? Seabiscuit. Seabiscuit is his oh, favourite film. Good choice. Yeah. Uh, lads, there is a motorway from Dublin to Shannon, says Donald. And whatever happens, the opening game won't be as bad as Russia, Saudi Arabia in 2018, which yeah. hasn't lived long in the memory, I don't think. Oh, my God. We are out of time. <laughs> I mean, just maybe for the best. Uh, <laughs> Richie McCormack, thanks very much. Thanks for the Chicken Maryland idea, Joe. Yeah. Ronan Mullen, you'll be back between eight and nine with Arthur and Mick. Thank you. Cheers.